Hello, Sound Life Church family. This is Pastor Caleb and Pastor Susie. Hello. Here to discuss yesterday's message, which was preached so well by Pastor Susie. I was at the Orient campus, but got to watch the online version and was just uh, literally just kind of overwhelmed by the power of the Holy Spirit moving in that service. And Susie, a lot of that um, was happening during or catalyzed by your message. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously some powerful moments at the altar. And so yeah. if you haven't seen that yeah. or weren't a part of it, I would encourage you to go back and, and watch that service online on YouTube or wherever you want to access it. But um, want to talk about some of the things that you brought up. Obviously, we, we are continuing our journey through Acts and looking at the Jesus way. How do mm-hmm. we live out the reality of God's supernatural and restorative kingdom mm-hmm. in the midst of a still broken world? Yeah often as still broken people. Mm -hmm. And you looked at the passage where following this great miraculous healing of a lame man by the temple, um, conflict happens, opposition rises up. And you you pointed out that in this broken world, opposition is going to happen. We should expect it, not be surprised by it. And in this case, a good thing happened. Jesus healed a guy. the disciples are explaining this is because of Jesus. And in this case, the religious leadership that was risking losing control of the narrative um, yeah. basically, uh, you know, puts pressure mm-hmm. on Peter and John to not talk about Jesus. They say, how could we do that? God wants us to do that. We're going to do that. Um, and that's that's really the picture we looked at. Yeah. And just a, such, a, such a cool picture. Mm-hmm. Um, I love verse. There's some great verses in there. Like they couldn't figure out how these guys were doing this yeah. other than that they had been with Jesus. Totally. And what a cool uh, proof to us that we may not be the most educated, mm-hmm. the most talented, yeah. the most whatever. But if we spend enough time with Jesus, mm-hmm. that's going to solve the problem. So, yeah, I didn't have time to like really talk about that part where they're like, hey, they could tell they were like not educated in scripture, which <laughs> cracked just cracks me up. I mean, it's not really supposed to be a dig at them, but it just is like, you know, yeah. they weren't the Jewish people that had like yeah. grew up and knew the scriptures. So, um, yeah, it just had to be Jesus kind yeah. of thing, um, which I think is exactly what God wants to do with us. Like, we are responsible to know mm-hmm. scripture, but. He wants our life to be a witness. Yeah. And that's kind of where we talked about, like, man, it is so important for us to be sharing and be going about God's mission like they were. Absolutely. And be a witness even in that conflict, which we're going to encounter. Yeah. Yeah. You shared a couple um, great examples of that. One that stuck out to me is uh, you just sharing about how your husband works in a workplace like Mm -hmm. many uh, of our church family do that does not allow you to speak about your religion. Yeah. Um, and there could be some pretty harsh consequences if people feel like you're trying to push your religion. Absolutely. And yet um, your husband hasn't used that as an excuse to stop. He's just careful about the way that he does it and does it in a really respectful manner. Yeah. And I thought you made some good points about uh, being a witness doesn't mean that you're a jerk. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't mean that you're you're instigating opposition. It means that you're faithful to share who Jesus is and what He's done in whatever avenues He opens for you. Yeah, I think that there's just some you know things that rise to the surface when you're in relationship with your coworkers. Um, when you're when you're next, I mean, we spend most of our lives in our workplaces. 
And so there's just things that come out naturally. Totally. You know, what were you doing this weekend? Even, you know, for my husband, what does that tattoo mean? That's yeah. a scripture reference, you know, and for, for him, you know, he's not going to hide his faith, but yeah, it comes out in those moments um, and surprises people. Like, cause mm-hmm. like, I think I said, like, he's a normal person. So it's sometimes mm-hmm. surprising, like, oh, you're not this religious nut. And that, that witness of his relationship with people is where he's seen like the tide turn on some of the conversations with people that he's been able to have. So I think it is that personal testimony, right? Just like we saw in the story, the guy who was healed was right there. Like there was no denying what had happened. And, and there is no denying the transformation that we've all had in our own life with Jesus. And so that's like where we can start. Totally. I think that's that's going to be the thing that often in those conflict moments yeah. is the non-negotiable winning point, mm-hmm. right? And and it may not feel like a win; it yeah. doesn't always. Totally. Um, but it's the one uh, it's the one inarguable component. And and though the facts, I think, lean heavily, logic, truth, history totally. leans heavily in favor of the Christian narrative and of the biblical story. Uh, people will argue those things, right? Yeah. They'll argue the historicity or the the accuracy of the translation of the Bible, or they'll argue the integrity of the church throughout history. Mm-hmm. And, and there's some merit to those arguments sometimes, mm-hmm. though, again, the weight of truth and facts, and you said some good things about truth too on Sunday, leans heavily in favor of the Christian uh, story. But the thing that people can't argue is your experience. Yeah. And I love even in that passage the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they can't argue the fact that this guy that everyone knows has been laying there lame for mm-hmm. 40 plus years mm-hmm. is now healed. Yeah. So they're like, I wish we could tell them this isn't true, but <laughs> yeah. there's no arguing this truth. Yeah. And I think when we share, hey, you know, I can't answer all your questions. Mm-hmm. I wish I could. Maybe we could together if you wanted to. But what I can say is that Jesus changed my life. Yeah. Nobody can argue with that. Totally. It's kind of a little bit of an ace that you can pull out and just say, hey, you don't have to believe it, but I can't deny that Jesus did this. Absolutely. That's a, a big, big part of this whole Jesus story. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, that's where the part of the Holy Spirit wanting to do miraculous things in our lives and through us is that, again, that witness, like someone came to me after service on Sunday and told me about this miraculous healing that just happened three weeks ago. Mm. Their son had a mass and miraculously was healed. Praise the Lord. And you're like, that's a story you tell at your work. Yeah. Like I went in for a scan and man, I've been praying and God healed me. Totally. Like that's a story that's not pushing it on anybody, but is like a witness to them. Yeah. Which brings up another piece of like, how do you, in these, these situations that are set up for conflict, right? Like a mm-hmm. workplace that says, don't talk about your faith in whatever way they say it. What is the Jesus way? It's bringing the reality of God's kingdom into our broken world. Mm-hmm. And so all you have to do is look for where brokenness is rearing its head and bring Jesus to that. Yeah. And so that might look like someone is go- a coworker yeah. going through a difficult time. There's brokenness there. Offer to pray. Totally. Share what Jesus has done in that area of pain in your own life and offer that mm-hmm. as a solution. You don't have to force it down their throat. Yeah. But you can, you can offer it as a solution to their pain. Mm-hmm. And I think that if we just got good at being confident yeah. in Jesus as the solution, 
And having an eye for where people are in pain, Mm -hmm. you're not going to be short of opportunities to bear witness to the fact that Jesus could solve that problem. Absolutely. And then when you get to pray for a coworker, when you get to share a little bit of your story, um, you're just planting seeds that the Holy Spirit can use to build faith in their lives. Absolutely. And I think when we do it that way, it's amazing to me, even some of the stories in my own life, working secular jobs of how often people's um, hearts would turn towards Jesus mm-hmm. just by me being willing to share in those ways. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, my experience with people who have had those questions is some, I mean, they often just come from like personal stories of like yep. hurt that they've had in the past. And just you caring for them can transform their perception of who Christians are. So good. Um, so I think our witness really does matter. And I mean, we talked about that on Sunday as well. Like our witness can be hijacked by our lack of integrity, our lack of holiness. Totally. And there's just such power in the personal choices we make as Christians. Yeah. It's easy to forget that this story between Peter, John, and the religious leaders happens in the context of a community that's been radically generous (laughs) in their larger community. Right. Right. I mean, just just verses, a chapter or two before, we see a church that is giving away money, mm-hmm. that is welcoming people into their homes, right? I think generosity, hospitality, those two things yeah. are countercultural to a world that is all about self and all about keeping other people out of our space, yeah, right? totally. And so this is happening. Peter and John are speaking out of a context of hospitality, demonstrated even in the fact that they have essentially a homeless guy who won't let go of them. Mm-hmm. Remember that from Acts 3? Like he was clinging to them. Yeah. Went, and they weren't like, oh, get off of me. Like you smell bad. <laughs> like we need to get you, you know, dressed like a Christian. Yeah. Like before you you hang out with us. Uh-huh. It just like they were hanging out. with This guy was clinging to them probably while they're arguing with the religious leaders. <laughs> and uh, so I think that we have to remember this context of love yeah. and generosity, hospitality, and good nature that was the context that this testimony was being given in. Mm-hmm. And we can either, those are things we can do. Yeah. Like we can be generous. We can be hospitable. We can be loving and understanding. Or we can be the opposite and we can kind of handle conflict the way our culture seems to be doing it recently. Mm-hmm. Whether it's political issues, social issues, or all the others. Yeah. We just have this kind of like, ranting style of conflict. And if we try that tactic, not only are we not going to make any progress, but we're not representing Jesus very well. Yeah, absolutely. I thought, you know, that was just a piece of like the, the message of like, man, we don't, we don't fight like the world fights. We don't battle that way because we understand it's a spiritual battle. Yeah, It's not, you know, even, even conversations as simple as like political disagreements What's behind that is like a child of God, you know, a potential for somebody to come to know Jesus. Yep. And so we just always have to have that in mind. It's not a physical battle. We're fighting a spiritual battle. Yeah. And to allow that to help us love people, even when they maybe, maybe they're ranting at us or (laughs) maybe they just kind of reject us or don't want to socialize with us after hearing our testimony, we can still be the person that smiles, be the person that engages, be the person that goes out of our way to serve and be kind. Um, But there was another piece you really hit on towards the close of the message in the altar time. 
And I think it's something that we struggle to wrap our heads around. When we come to Jesus through his grace, we forget that his grace enables us to live life that we, the way we were always meant to. Mm-hmm. Um, and one word that describes the way God is and the way that he's created us to be is holy. Yeah. To be set apart, to be cleansed from some of the things of this world that often stain us. And uh, I wanted to kind of pick your brain a little bit more about why do you think it's so important that we get some of those, uh, what could maybe be considered external things, right? The mm-hmm. addictions you, you talked yeah. about. Um, pornography, yeah. you talked about alcohol, you talked about smoking and vaping, mm-hmm. you talked about some of these things that most people think, well, that's just something I, I do. That's not who I am. Yeah. Um, or, Hey, Jesus forgave me from that for that. He'll forgive me for that. What's the big deal. Mm-hmm. And we don't, we don't really consider those things as obstacles to this whole goal of being filled with the Holy spirit yeah. that we see throughout the book of Acts. Yeah. So what do you think about that? Like, why yeah. are those things these tangible substitutes that we use, why are they legitimate obstacles to the filling of the Holy Spirit in our lives? Yeah, I think I was just, you know, in preparing, you just really felt like God speak that these things, you know, the the whole goal was like, God wants to fill us up to use us to be witnesses. And this is what gets in the way, yeah. is we're filled with other things. We're yeah. looking to other things Um, we're taking comfort in other things. Um, and just that idea of like, it just felt to me like, man, the Holy spirit, the gifts of the spirit were just like leaking out of these guys. Like it just felt like they just couldn't help, but heal this guy, you know? And so it just felt like, man, that's the people we're meant to be. We're meant to be filled up with this. And so often we're just filling ourselves with other things and, and, you know, getting pleasure out of other things, getting rest, quote unquote, rest or quote unquote pleasure, because I don't think those things really do that anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I'm reminded of Ephesians 5, 18. I've always thought this is a weird verse, (laughs) but Paul writes to the Ephesians, don't get drunk on a bunch of wine, but instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I always thought that's a weird comparison. Like I wouldn't even put (laughs) drinking wine and being filled with the Holy Spirit on the same playing field, right? Mm -hmm. Like one is physical inebriation of our bodies. And the other one I would put in this purely spiritual category. Mm -hmm. But that's, I think, one of the mistakes of Western culture is we separate the two. Yeah. Like our physical and our spiritual are way more connected than we can understand, I think. Um, it's why what we do with our bodies sexually, mm-hmm. why we what we do with our bodies chemically, does impact our spirits. Yeah. And um, so, anyways, to use that example, why would someone get drunk on wine? There's really two reasons. You're either trying to avoid pain, right, and the drunkenness numbs the pain, or you're trying to pursue pleasure, mm-hmm. and you you feel like being drunk yeah. will make things more fun. You'll right. you'll feel better, right? Those are the two reasons mm-hmm. that someone would get drunk, that someone would get high, and really they're the same two reasons that we eat more food than we yeah. should. Yeah, they're the same two reasons that we watch more TV than we should. Mm-hmm. They're the same two reasons that we pursue all these other fillers in our life. Some may be more tab- taboo than others, um, and they become substitutes. For the one thing, the one thing only that can actually heal our pain and give us the greatest amount of pleasure. Yeah. And that's the presence of God. Yeah. It's the touch of God that actually heals our brokenness, whether that's mm-hmm. 
mental, emotional, physical, whether that's right here in this broken world or in eternity sure. with Jesus. He's the only one that heals truly. And then we're also taught that he is the source of greatest pleasure, mm -hmm. which is almost hard for us to believe in this hedonistic pleasure-seeking culture yeah. that God could be more pleasurable than sex, money, and power, mm -hmm. that God could be more pleasurable than getting high or getting drunk. Like We're like, no way. Mm -hmm. God can't actually be more <laughs> pleasurable. But ask someone after they've had a powerful time in God's presence in corporate worship if they've ever had a better feeling in life totally. than being in the presence of God. And 100% of those people, including myself, yeah. would say, oh, wait, <laughs> none of the other stuff comes close to totally. that. And so I, I kind of think that that Ephesians 5, and I'm thinking about it differently even based on your message, mm -hmm. there really is a competition. Yeah, There's a competition, mm -hmm. and our faith is proven by what we plug in to those pain and pleasure moments. Yeah. If we're plugging in all these substitutes to the pain and pleasure receptors in our lives, then it shows that we don't really believe God. Mm -hmm. We're not really leaning into him. We're not really Jesus people. Totally. We're, we're Jesus wannabes that are worldly people. Yeah. But if in our pain we run to God, and if in our search for pleasure we put God first mm -hmm. before some of the other lesser blessings he's placed in this world... Mm -hmm or the distractions the enemies placed in the world, then we prove ourselves to be Jesus people, Yeah, which comes back to that whole witness thing. Like if we don't actually want God in our pain and in our pleasure, we one, won't be filled with the Holy Spirit. And two, we have a hypocritical witness. Mm -hmm. Like we'll never prove to anybody that God's worth anything because they're like, really? Because every time you're stressed out, you run to that. Yeah, it's the same so life. So don't tell me have. God solves my problems <laughs> yeah. when he doesn't even solve your problems. Totally. Or, well, don't tell me God's so great because, like, you were at the bar with me last night mm -hmm. and it seemed like that third or fourth drink was what was really great to you. Yeah. So I, I think that we minimize those substitutes. Um, and, and you did such a great job of just calling us to, like, surrender. Mm -hmm. Surrender. Yeah. And that is a powerful kind of a powerful concept. Talk, talk to me about surrender. Like when you were calling us to that, like what were you, what were you feeling was like the battle there? Like what did surrender change? Mm. I think, you know, surrender, I think at first is just like a mental thing, even because mm. I do think it's like that surrendering, even just our comfort. I just think that's such a, such a big thing, even as you're talking about, you know, drinking and, you know, all these substances that fill us. Yeah. You know, I think we just get so comfortable. We forget that we are on a mission. Yeah. And so just even that idea of like, okay, I surrender to what I think this is supposed to look like to whatever you have for me. Like if you want God, if you want to use me to heal people. If you want to use me to speak in tongues, like I am open. Yeah. And then, you know, beyond that, like, man, get everything else out of the way. Yeah. Like if there's anything in the way of that, like get rid of yeah. my, my obstacles that maybe I don't even view as an obstacle. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, I think it does a lot of times just start in our head and just hurt our like uh, propensity for comfort. Just yeah. like, we just want to be comfortable and 
yeah, relax. And yeah. man, God makes life like pretty awesome. Like I kind of said, like, man, we could be any in any country where we couldn't even gather together and worship. So mm-hmm. we're pretty privileged. Absolutely. But you know, there are those times where he calls us to be uncomfortable and we got, we have to be open to that too. Yeah. I think it's interesting that the Bible says we can laugh with those who laugh mm-hmm. and mourn with those who mourn. Yeah. And that is a choice, right? Like that means that you're choosing to grieve when someone else is actually grieved mm-hmm. and they didn't get the choice. Um, it means that you actually you choose to celebrate when someone else is just experiencing celebration. And I think just because life isn't hard for us doesn't mean we shouldn't make the choices that Christians who are in hard places would also make. Yeah. And to kind of maybe even wrap up this this whole thought. I, I think you you really called us to desire God. Yeah. To desire God. And I think a helpful question for myself and, and probably for all of us is, what is it that you want and why do you want it? Because mm-hmm. there's, to be honest, there's days where I want very trivial things. for And if, if somebody asks me, why do you want that? You know, maybe Jeanette sometimes, hey, why do you <laughs> want that so bad? And sometimes there is not even a good explainable, like I just want yeah. because I have a strong wanter, right? Mm-hmm. Because envy and covetousness and desiring more stuff, mm-hmm. more pleasure mm-hmm. is one of the effects of that sin slavery that's ingrained in my my human nature that yeah. God is redeeming and changing and, and proving wrong. Um, but it's just as funny how we don't even think about that. We just want without thinking yeah. about why we want it. Mm-hmm. And if we ask those questions, what is it that I'm wanting most? And why do I want it? If there aren't really biblical, good biblical reasons behind it, we should probably do what, what uh, Paul says in Galatians 5 when he's talking about the desires of the sinful nature yep. versus the fruits of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And what does he say? He says, put to death mm-hmm. these passions and desires. I mean, we celebrate passion, we right? Do. And we yeah. should. There's certain things that are really good to be passionate about. But he says, put to death those passions and desires, crucify them yep. with Christ. Yep. And I'm like, I don't want to put to death. <laughs> my, my desire feels good to want. Yeah. I don't want to put it to death. But if you don't have a biblical answer for what you want and why you want it, um, it's probably doing more damage than good. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, those substitutes you, man, you mentioned and that some that we've added to the list today, those substitutes promise a shortcut to removing pain or a shortcut to gaining pleasure, but they always lead to more pain. Absolutely. Always. Every mm-hmm. time, right? Like there's never a time when I've overeaten dessert yeah. that it, it's done me any good, yeah. right? <laughs> like yep. ever. Maybe some short-term emotional satisfaction, but usually some long-term, short-term and long-term physical yeah. disadvantages to that, right? Yeah. So, um yeah, I just think we have to remember, like, if I'm wanting something that's not biblical, it's not going to get me where I actually want to go. Yeah, it's good. And we get to use that redeemed sense of choice to choose Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when we do, God's going to add purpose and witness to our lives. So, I don't know, just a great message. So many things I'd love to unpack and talk about, but those are a few that come to mind. Absolutely. That's good. Yeah. Anything else that you wish you could have said that you didn't get to say in your message? <laughs> oh man, probably so many things, but I think just like, just shows the richness of God's word oh. and like 
man, there's just so much we can get out of it. So we just want to be continue to be people of the word. Yeah. 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 And I would just say to all of you that are listening, hunger and thirst, like desire God. Yeah. He really is the greatest source of pleasure and pursue him and make him prove it. He yeah. will. You know, he really is the, the greatest healer of our pain. So pursue right. him and he will. Um, which is a great reason we've got a pursuit night coming right. up next Sunday at yeah. six o'clock to pursue him in worship and prayer. Those are great moments for us to demonstrate that he is our greatest desire. Mm-hmm. And he responds to us in that he's so gracious to respond. So hunger and thirst for God. Yeah. And also just remember that this message was such a great pointer in, in one of the things we like to end this podcast with, which is a paraphrase of Colossians 3.17, that whatever you say, Sound Life Church, whatever you do, do it as representatives of Jesus. We have a privilege of being his ambassadors, and so let's live like it, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you again soon.